0: hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of percy jackson in this episode we're going to read chapters 45 to 46 and in the previous episode we read chapters 42 to 44 and in the previous episode we saw that percy jason and piper were now trying to join hazel frank and leo in their quest to find nico and Piper had been trying to avoid the future that she had seen in her blade, of which the three of them were drowning. However, she did not get the full story, and soon enough, they had actually met uh, a nymph called Hagno. And Hagno had some pretty bitter beef with um, Zeus. So, after all of that scuffle, um, the future and uh, that Piper does indeed see uh, comes true, and after a while, it's actually not even water. It's very dirty, dirty water, kind of oil-like a lot of water. And because of that, Percy also is also struggling to survive because it takes him so long to be able to. He, he it isn't the same water that you know he can usually just breathe in. So because of that, he also starts drowning as well. And Hazel, uh, not Hazel, Piper recalls this story that his, her father used to tell uh, her about a dog that was sacrificed. Um, won't go into too much detail about that, but she learns that she also needs to sacrifice something. So she takes the horn, Atlas's horn, which is also cornucopia, and asks Percy and Jason to also put their entire energy into that cornucopia to filter the water. Turn it from this oily, mushy water to clean water. And in the end, they are successful in turning that water into clean water. And because of that, they're actually able to survive. And Hagno turns from this evil, witchy nymph into a actual, you know, back to her old self. Where she actually thinks the three of them says thank you for saving me and from there on uh they are now going to continue the quest um so yeah if you haven't checked that out uh i recommend you go check that out before you go check out this one um but yeah without further ado on with the show chapter 45 percy Percy was tired of water. If he said that aloud, he would probably get kicked out of Poseidon's junior sea scouts, but he didn't care. After barely surviving the nephaeum, he wanted to go back to the surface. He wanted to be dry and sit in the warm sunshine for a long time, preferably with Annabeth. Unfortunately, he didn't know where Annabeth was. Frank, Hazel, and Leo were missing in action. He still had to save Nico D'Angelo, assuming the guy wasn't already dead. And there was that little matter of the giants destroying Rome, waking Gaia, and taking over the world. Seriously, these monsters and gods were thousands of years old. Couldn't they take a few decades off and let Percy live his life? Apparently not. Percy took the lead as they crawled down the drainage pipe. After 30 feet, it opened into a wider tunnel. To their left, somewhere in the distance, Percy heard rumbling and creaking like a huge machine needed oiling. He had absolutely no desire to find out what was making that sound, so he figured that must be the way to go. Several hundred feet later, they reached a turn in the tunnel. Percy held up his hand, signaling Jason and Piper to wait. He peeked around the corner. The corridor opened to, into a vast room with 20-foot ceilings and rows of support columns. It looked like the same parking garage-type area Percy had seen in his dreams, but now much more crowded with stuff. The creaking and rumbling came from huge gears and pulley systems that raised in lower sections of the floor for no apparent reason. Water flowed through open trenches. Oh great, more water powering water wheels that turned some of the machines other machines were connected to huge hamster wheels with hellhounds inside percy couldn't help thinking of mrs o'leary and how much she would hate being trapped in one inside one of those suspended from the ceiling were cages of live animals a lion several zebras a whole pack of hyenas and even an eight-headed hydra ancient looking bronze and leather conveyor belts trundled, trundled along with stacks of weapons and armor sort of like the amazon's warehouse in seattle except this place was obviously much older and not as well organized leo would love it percy thought the whole room was like one massive scary unreliable machine what is it piper whispered percy wasn't even sure how to answer he didn't see the giant so he gestured for his friends to come forward and take a look about 20 feet inside the doorway, a life-sized wooden cutout of a gladiator popped up from the floor. It clicked and whirred along a conveyor belt, got hooked on a rope, and ascended through a slot in the roof. Jason murmured, What the heck? They stepped inside. Percy scanned the room. There were several thousand things to look at, most of them in motion, but one good aspect of being an ADHD demigod was that Percy was comfortable with chaos. About 100 yards away, he spotted a raised dais with two empty oversized praetor chairs. Standing between them was a bronze jar big enough to hold a person. Look, he pointed out to his friends. Piper frowned. That's too easy. Of course, Piper sa- Percy said. But we have no choice, Jason said. We've got to save Nico. Yeah. Percy started across the room, picking his way around conveyor belts and moving platforms. The hellhounds and the hamster wheels paid them no attention. They were too busy running and panting, their red eyes glowing like headlights. The animals in the other cages gave them bored looks, as if to say, I'd kill you, but it would take too much energy. Percy tried to watch out for traps, but everything here looked like a trap. He remembered how many times he'd almost died in the labyrinth a few years ago. He really wished Hazel were here so she could help with her underground skills, and of course she could, so she could be reunited with her brother. They jumped over a water trench and ducked under a row of caged wolves. They had made it about halfway to the bronze jar when the ceiling opened over them. A platform lowered, standing on it like an actor, and with one hand raised and his head high, was the purple-haired giant Effialtus just like Percy had seen in his dreams, the Big F was small by giant standards. About 12 feet tall, but he had tried to make up for it with his loud outfit. He changed out of the gladiator armor and was now wearing a Hawaiian shirt that even Dionysus would have found vulgar. He had a garish print made up of dying heroes, horrible tortures, and lions-eating slaves in the Colosseum. The giant's hair was braided with gold and silver coins. He had a 10-foot spear strapped to his back, which wasn't a good fashion statement with the shirt. He wore bright white jeans and leather sandals on his, well, not feet, but curved snake heads. The snakes flicked their tongues and writhed as if they didn't appreciate holding up the weight of a giant. Efialta smiled at the demigods like he was really, really pleased to see them. At last, he bellowed, so very happy. Honestly, I didn't think you'd make it past the nymphs, but it's so much better that you did. Much more entertaining. You're just in time for the main event. Jason and Piper closed ranks on either side of Percy. Having them there made him feel a little bit better. This giant was smaller than a lot of monsters he had faced, but something about him made Percy's skin crawl. Effialta's eyes danced with a crazy light. We're here, Percy said, which... Kind of sounded kind of obvious once he had said it. Let her friend go. Of course, Effialtus said, though I fear he's a bit past his expiration date. Otis, where are you? A stone's throw away. The floor opened and the other giant rose on a platform. Otis, finally! His brother cried with glee. You're not dressed as the same as me! You're- Effie also's expression turned to horror. What are you wearing? Otis looked like the world's largest, grumpiest ballet dancer. He wore a skin tight baby blue leotard that Percy really wished left more to the imagination. The toes of his massive dancing slippers were cut away so that his snakes could protrude. A diamond tiara percy decided to be generous and think of it as a king's crown was nestled in his green firecracker braided hair he looked glum and miserably uncomfortable but he managed a dancer's bow which couldn't have been easy with snake feet and a huge spear on his back gods and titans F-Yaltus yelled. it's showtime what are you thinking i didn't want to wear the gladiator outfit otis complained I still think a ballet would be perfect, you know, while Armageddon is going on. He raised his eyebrows, hopefully, at the demigods. I have some extra costumes. No! Effialta snapped, and for once Percy was in agreement. The purple-haired giant faced Percy. He grinned so painfully it looked like he was being electrocuted. Please excuse my brother, he said. His stage presence is awful, and he has no sense of style. Okay. Percy and I decided not to comment on the Hawaiian shirt. Now, about our friend. Oh, him. Effialta sneered. We were going to let him finish dying in public, but he has no entertainment value. He spent days curled up sleeping. What sort of spectacle is that? Otis, tip over the jar. Otis trudged over to the dais, stopping occasionally to do a plie. He knocked over the jar, the lid popped off, and Nico d'Angelo spilled out. The sight of his deathly pale face and too skinny frame made Percy's heart stop. Percy couldn't t- t- tell whether he was alive or dead. He wanted to rush over and check, but F.E. stood in his way. Now we have to hurry, said the big F. We should go through your stage directions. The hypogeum is all set. Percy was ready to slice this giant in half and get out of here. But Otis was standing over Nico. If a battle started, Nico was in no condition to defend himself. Percy needed to buy him some recovery time. Jason raised his gold gladius. We're not going to be part of any show, he said. And what's a hypo-whatever-you-call-it? Hypogeum, Ephialtus said. You're a Roman demigod, aren't you? You should know. Ah, uh, but I suppose if we do our job right down here in the Underworks, you really wouldn't know the Hypogeum exists. I know that word, Piper said. It's the area under a coliseum. It's housed all the set pieces and machinery used to create special effects. And just clapped enthusiastically. Exactly so. Are you a student of the theater, my girl? Uh, my dad's an actor wonderful! Effialtus turned toward his brother. Did you hear that, Otis? Actor? Otis murmured. Everybody's an actor. No one can dance. Be nice! Effialtus scolded. At any rate, my girl, you are absolutely right. But this hypogeum is much more than the stage works for a colosseum. You've heard that in the old days, some giants were imprisoned under the earth, and from time to time, they would cause earthquakes when they tried to break free. Well, we've done so much better. Otis and I have been imprisoned under Rome for eons, but we've kept busy building our very own hypogeum. Now we're ready to create the greatest spectacle Rome has ever seen, and the last. At Otis's feet, Nico shuddered. First, he felt like a hellhound hamster wheel somewhere, and his chest had started moving again. At least Nico was alive. Now they just had to defeat the Giants, preferably without destroying the city of Rome, and get out of here to find their friends. So, Percy said, hoping to keep the Giants' attention on him. Stage directions, you said. Yes, Altus said. Now I know the bounty stipulates that you and the girl Annabeth should be kept alive if possible. But honestly, the girl is already doomed, so I hope you don't mind if we deviate from the plan. Percy's mouth tasted like bad nymph water. Already doomed? You don't mean she's dead? The giant asked. No, not yet. But don't worry. We've got your other friends locked up, you see? Piper made a strangled sound. Leo? Hazel and Frank? Frank? Those are the ones! Ephialtus agreed. So we can use them for the sacrifice. We can let the Athena girl die, which will please her ladyship. And we can use you three for the show! Gaia will be a bit disappointed, but really, this is a win win! Your debts will be much more entertaining! Jason snarled. You want entertaining? I'll give you entertaining. Piper stepped forward. Somehow, she managed a sweet smile. "'I've got a better idea,' she told the Giants. "'Why don't you let us go? "'That would be an incredible twist, "'wonderful entertainment value, "'and it would prove to the world how cool you are.'" Nico stirred. Otis looked down at him. His snaky feet flickered their tongues at Nico's head. "'Plus,' Piper said quickly, "'plus, we could do some dance moves as we're escaping. "'Perhaps a ballet number.'" Otis forgot all about Nico. He lumbered over and wagged his finger at Ephialtus. You see? That's what I was telling you. It will be incredible. For a second, Percy thought Piper was going to pull it off. Otis looked at his brother imploringly. Ephialtus tugged at his chin as if considering the idea. At last, he shook his head. No, no, I'm afraid not. You see, my girl, I am the anti-Dionysus. I have a reputation to uphold. Dionysus thinks he knows parties? He's wrong. His revels are tame compared to what I can do. That old stunt we pulled, for instance, when we piled up mountains to reach Olympus. I told you that would never work! Otis muttered. And the time my brother covered himself with meat and ran through an obstacle course of dragons. You said how fast the TV would show it during primetime, Otis said. No one even saw me. Well, this spectacle will be even better, Ephialtus promised. The Romans always wanted bread and circuses, food and entertainment. As we destroy their city, I will offer them both. Behold, a sample. Something dropped from the ceiling and landed at Percy's feet. A loaf of sandwich bread in a white plastic wrapper with red and yellow dots. Percy picked it up. Wonder bread? Magnificent, isn't it? Ephialtus' eyes danced with crazy excitement. You can keep that loaf. I plan on distributing millions to the people of Rome as I obliterate them. Wonder bread is good, Otis admitted. Though the Romans should dance for it. Percy glanced over at Nika, who was just starting to move. Percy wanted him to be at least conscious enough to crawl out of the way when the fighting started. And Percy needed more information from the Giants about Annabeth and where his other friends were being kept. "'Maybe,' Percy ventured. "'You should bring our other friends here. You know, spectacular deaths. The more the merrier, right?' "'Hmm,' if y'all just fiddled with the button on his Hawaiian shirt. "'No, it's really too late to change the choreography.' but never fear, the circuses will be marvelous. Ah, uh, not the modern sort of circus, mind you. That would, be re- that would require clowns, and I hate clowns. Everyone hates clowns, Otis said. Even other clowns hate clowns. Exactly, his brother agreed. But we have much better entertainment planned. The three of you will die in agony up above where all the gods and mortals can watch but that's just the opening ceremony. In the old days, games went on for days or weeks. Our spectacle, the destruction of Rome, will go on for one full month until Gaia awakens. Wait, Jason said, one month and Gaia wakes up? Ephialtus waved away the question. Yes, yes. Yeah, something about August 1st being the first best date to destroy all humanity. Not important! In her infinite wisdom, the Earth Mother has agreed that Rome can be destroyed first. Slowly and spectacularly. It's only fitting. So... Percy couldn't believe he was talking about the end of his world with a loaf of Wonder Wonderbrot in his hand. Your Gaia's warm-up act. Ephialtis' face darkened. This is no warm-up, demigod! We'll release wild animals and monsters into the streets! Our special effects department will produce fires and earthquakes. Sinkholes and volcanoes will appear randomly out of nowhere. Ghosts will run rampant. The ghost thing won't work, Otis said. Our focus group says it won't pull ratings. Doubters, Efialtis said. This hypogeum can make anything work. Efialtis stormed over to a big table covered with a sheet. He pulled the sheet away, revealing a collection of levers and knobs almost as complicated-looking as Leo's control panel on the Argo II. This button, Effialta said, this one will eject a dozen rabbit wolves into the forum, and this one will summon automaton gladiators to battle tourists at the Trevi Fountain. This one will cause the Tiber to flood its banks so we can reenact a naval battle right here in the Piazza Navona. Percy Jackson, you should appreciate that as a son of Poseidon. Uh, I still think that letting us go idea is better, Percy said. He's right, Piper tried again. Otherwise, we get into this whole confrontation thing. We fight you, you fight us, we wreck your plans. You know, we've defeated a lot of giants lately. I'd hate for things to get out of control. Effialtus nodded thoughtfully. You're right, Percy Piper blinked. I am? We can't let things get out of control, Giant agreed. Everything has to be timed perfectly, but don't worry, I've choreographed your debts. You'll love it. Nico started to crawl away, groaning. Percy wanted to move faster and to groan less. He considered throwing his wonder bread at him. Jason switched his sword hand. And if we refuse to cooperate with your spectacle? Well, you can't kill us. Ephialtus laughed as if the idea was ridiculous. Ha ha ha! You have no gods with you! And that's the only way you can hope to triumph! So really, it would be much more sensible to die painfully. Sorry, but the show must go on! This giant was even worse than that sea god, Forceus back in Atlanta, Percy realized. Ephialtus wasn't so much the anti-Dionysus, he was Dionysus gone crazy on steroids. Sure, Dionysus was the god of revelry and out-of-control parties, but Ephialtus was all about riot and ruin for pleasure. Percy looked at his friends. getting tired of this guy's shirt. Combat time? Piper grabbed her horn of plenty. I hate Wonder Bread. Together, they charged. That's the end of chapter 45. That was certainly a very fascinating chapter and entertaining chapter at the same time. So, because now we're introduced to a face-to-face conversation with Effialtus and Otis, so right after the so after this break, um, we're gonna quickly just dive into this uh, chapter and see how the the rest of this chapter goes. Is it gonna take one chapter for them to be able to defeat Ephialtus and Otis, or is it gonna take more? We're gonna have to see. So right after the, so don't go anywhere. Maybe grab a drink. Maybe grab uh, some water, some snacks. Up to you. But right after this break, we're going to go back and we're going to come back and read chapter 46, Percy. And we're back from the break. And now we're going to read chapter 46, Percy. Things went wrong immediately. The giants vanished in twin puffs of smoke. They reappeared halfway across the room, each in a different spot. Percy sprinted towards Effialtus, but slots in the floor opened under his feet, and metal walls shot up on either side, separating him from his friends. The walls started closing in on him like the sides of a vise grip. Percy jumped up and grabbed the bottom of the hydra's cage. He caught a brief glimpse of Piper leaping across a hopscotch pattern of fiery pits, making her way toward Nico, who was dazed and weaponless, and being stalked by a pair of leopards. Meanwhile, Jason charged at Otis, who pulled his, spe- his spear and heaved a great sigh, as if he would m- much rather dance Swan Lake than kill another demigod. Percy registered all of this in a split second, but there wasn't much he could do about it. The Hydra snapped at his hands. He swung and dropped, landing in a grove of painted plywood trees that sprang up from nowhere. The trees changed positions as he tried to run through them, so he slashed down the whole forest with Riptide. Wonderful! Effialtus cried. He stood at his control panel about 60 feet per- to Percy's left. We'll consider this a dressing rehearsal. Shall I unleash the Hydra onto the Spanish Steps now? He pulled a lever and Percy glanced behind him. The cage he had just been hanging from was now ha- rising toward a hatch in the ceiling. In three seconds, it would be gone. If Percy attacked the giant, the Hydra would ravage the city. Cursing, he threw Riptide like a boomerang. The sword wasn't designed for that, but the celestial bronze blade sliced through the chains suspending the Hydra. The cage tumbled sideways, the door broke open, and the monster spilled out right in front of Percy. Oh, you are a spoil sport, Jackson! Effialtus called. Very well, battle it here, if you must, but your death won't be nearly as good without the cheering crowds. Percy stepped forward to confront the monster then realized he'd just thrown his weapon away. Bit of bad planning on his part. He rolled to one side as all eight Hydra heads spit acid, turning the floor away to where he'd been standing in a steaming crater of melted stone. Percy really hated Hydras. It was almost a good thing that he'd lost his sword, since his gut instinct would have been to slash at the heads and the Hydra simply grew two new ones for each one it lost. The last time he'd faced a Hydra, he'd been saved by a battleship with bronze cannons that blasted the monster to pieces. That strategy couldn't help him now. Or could it? The Hydra lashed out. Percy ducked behind a giant hamster wheel and scanned the room, looking for the boxes he'd seen in his dream. He remembered something about rocket launchers. At the dais, Piper stood guard over Nico as the leopards advanced. She aimed her cornucopia and shot a pot roast over the cats' heads. Must have smelled pretty good because the leopards raced right after it. About 80 feet to Piper's right, Jason battled Otis, sword against spear. Otis had lost his diamond tiara and looked angry about it. He probably could have impaled Jason several times, but the giant insisted on doing a pirouette with every attack, which slowed him down. Meanwhile, Effialtis laughed as he pushed buttons on his control board, cranking the conveyor belts into high gear and opening random animal cages. The Hydra charged around the hamster wheel. Percy swung behind a column, grabbed a garbage full of Wonder Bread, and threw it at the monster. The Hydra spit acid, which was a mistake. The bag and wrappers dissolved in midair. The Wonder Bread absorbed the acid like fire extinguisher foam and splattered against the Hydra, covering it in a sticky, steaming layer of high-calorie, poisonous goo. As the monster reeled, shaking its heads and blinking Wonder Acid out of its eyes, Percy looked around desperately. He didn't see the rocket launcher boxes, but tucked against the back wall was a strange contraption like an artist's easel, fitted with rows of missile launchers. Percy spotted a bazooka, a grenade launcher, and a giant Roman candle, and a dozen other wicked-looking weapons. They all seemed to be wired together, pointing in the same direction and connected to a single bronze lever on the side. At the top of the easel, spelled incarnations, were the words, Happy Destruction, Rome! Percy bolted toward the device. The Hydra hissed and charged after him. I know! Efealtus cried out happily. We can start with explosions along the vial of lab- We can't keep our audience waiting forever! Percy scrambled behind the easel and turned it toward Efealtus. He didn't have Leo's skill with the machines, but he knew how to aim a weapon. The Hydra barreled toward him, blocking his view of the giant. Percy hoped this contraption would have enough firepower to take down two targets at once. He tugged at the lever. It didn't budge. All eight Hydra heads loomed over him, ready to melt him in a pool of sludge. He tugged the lever again. This time, the easel shook, and the weapons began to hiss. ''Duck and cover!'' Percy yelled, hoping his friends got the message. Percy leaped to one side as the easel fired. The sound was like a fiesta in the middle of an exploding gunpowder factory. The Hydra vaporized instantly. Unfortunately, the recoil knocked the easel sideways and sent more projectiles shooting all over the moon. A chunk of ceiling collapsed and crushed a water wheel. More cages snapped off their chains, unleashing two zebras and a pack of hyenas. A grenade exploded over Effialtas' head, but it only blasted him off his feet. The control board didn't even look damaged. Across the room, sandbags rained down around Piper and Nico. Piper tried to pull Nico to safety, but one of the bags caught her shoulder and knocked her down. Piper! Jason cried. He ran toward her, completely forgetting about Otis, who aimed his spear at Jason's back. "'Look out!' Percy yelled. Jason had fast reflexes. As Otis threw, Jason rolled. The point sailed over him and Jason flicked his hand, summoning a gust of wind that changed the spear's direction. It flew across the room and skewered Effialtus through his side just as he was getting to his feet. "'Otis!' Effialtus stumbled away from his control board, clutching the spear as he began to crumble into monster dust. "'Will you please stop killing me? Not my fault!' Otis had barely finished speaking when Percy's missile launching contraption spit out one last sphere of roman candle fire. The fiery pink ball of death, naturally it had to be pink, hit the ceiling above Otis and exploded in a beautiful shower of light. Colorful sparks pirouetted gracefully around the giant, then a 10-foot section of roof collapsed and crushed him flat. Jason ran to Piper's side. She yelped when she touched when he touched her arm. Her shoulder looked unnaturally bent, but she muttered, "Fine. I'm fine." Next turn, Nico sat up, looking around him in bewilderment, as if just realizing he missed a battle. Sadly, the giants weren't finished. Afialta's was already reforming, his head and shoulders rising from the Mound of Dust. He tugged his arms free and glowered at Percy. Across the room, the pile of rubble shifted, and Otis busted out. His head was slightly caved in. All the firecrackers in his head had popped, and his braids were smoking. His leotard was in tatters, which was just about the only way it could have looked less attractive on him. "'Percy!' Jason shouted. "'The controls!' Percy unfroze. He found Riptide in his pocket again, uncapped his sword, and lunged for the switchboard. He slashed his blade across the top, decapitating the controls in a shower of bronze sparks. "'No!' Efealtus wailed. "'You've ruined the spectacle!' Percy turned too slowly. Effialtus swung his spear like a bat and smacked him across the chest. He fell to his knees, the pain turning his stomach to lava. Jason ran to his side, but Otis lumbered after him. Percy managed to rise and found himself shoulder to shoulder with Jason. Over the dais, Piper was still on the floor, unable to get up. Nico was barely conscious. The Giants were healing, getting stronger by the minute. Percy was not. Effialtus smiled apologetically. "'Tired, Percy Jackson?' As I said, you cannot kill us, so I guess we're at an impasse. Oh, wait! No, we're not, because we can kill you! That, Otis grumbled, picking up his fallen spear, is the first sensible thing you've said all day, brother! The giants pointed their weapons, ready to turn Percy and Jason into a demigod kebab. We won't give up, Jason growled. We'll cut you into pieces like Jupiter did to Saturn! "'That's right,' Percy said. "'You're both dead. "'I don't care if we have a god on our side or not.' "'Well, that's a shame,' said a new voice. "'To his right, another platform lowered from the ceiling, "'leaning casually on a pinecone-top staff, "'was a man in a purple camp shirt, khaki shorts, and sandals with white socks. "'He raised his broad-rimmed, brimmed hat, "'and purple fire flickered in his eyes. "'I'd hate to think I made a special trip for nothing.' And that's the end of chapter 46. That's probably that chapter was probably one of the probably one of the most interesting uh, mo- one of the most interesting chapters with that plot twist. That kind of plot twist was probably one of the most interesting ones I've seen so far. So I really enjoyed this episode. I really hope that since now they do have a god on their side, Mr. D, hopefully they'll be able to help hopefully he's able to help out with jason piper and percy so next week we're gonna read chapter 47 to 48 and see how the rest of this battle fares out with now the help of mr d or as we like to say dionysus slash bacchus so i hope you guys enjoyed that just as much as i did but now we're gonna move on to yet another part that is probably one of my more most favorite parts we're now going to do shout outs so once again if i miss any of your names just go ahead and say hey you miss me and i'll make sure to get you guys in the next episode so first let's go anna um i'm gonna spell this one out e-i-r-i-k-f-n uh... Let's see... 9734... Leo de Hip Hop Buzz... Flynn Slash Kirby... Um... Silas Meissen... And... Pickles! So, if I missed anyone else, please let me know... Um... One way to be able to ask for a shout out or any other fee or provide any feedback for this podcast is go straight to Spotify and once you go there, search up this podcast and there should be a QA section there. So I hope you guys enjoyed this just as much as I did. Um, once again, if you guys want to show some extra support, there's a link to my Patreon in the, bio- in the description of this podcast. Um, totally optional, but it would mean a lot if you guys would be able to check that out. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I hope that until next week, you guys stay safe and stay out of boredom.